All right, we're learning Dafayin. We're starting from about uh, ten lines down, where the, the Mishnah we're analyzing the line of the Mishnah. So the Mishnah was discussing again Bas Yisrael Kohen or Bas Kohen Yisrael how the effects that they had while they were married continues afterwards, whether or not there are children. If it's a Bas Yisrael Kohen and there are children, then 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 the woman can continue to eat Shemav. It's a Bas Kohen Yisrael and there are children afterwards, so then she cannot. Uh, continue, she cannot go back to her father's house and eat trimmer. So the Mishnah discussed a case where there was a grandson who was a slave. And the Mishnah was saying that a slave is not considered to be a descendant. There's no yichus between that grandmother and her grandson. Again, the case is, they have a son, the son goes and marries a slave woman. So what's the law? That slave woman now, all the children that will come will be misachas only after her and not after the Jew. So if the grandson is born now, he's an eved and he's no relation to his grandmother. So the Gemara wants to know, how do we know this rule that, that, that when, a, when, a per, when a man marries a slave woman, any children that come are only considered to be the children of the slave woman and don't have any yichos to uh, the father. So how do we know this? So the Gemara says, my time, what's the reason? When it speaks about the children of a, of a slave woman, the puzzle says the woman and her children belong to her master. So what does that mean? Whatever the status of the slave woman, automatically her children have as well. So so in this case, where the, the, the Jewish boy is marrying the, the slave woman, so that's exactly what's going to happen. The children are going to be complete avodim, having no connection to their grandmother, no yichus to their grandmother, so it's as if they don't exist. So now if I want to determine this Bas Yisrael Kohen or Bas Kohen Yisrael after her marriage, does she have, does she have any descendants from, from the marriage? And if I'm cheshmaning, what's with this grandson? The grandson is as if it doesn't exist. All that comes from the Deir of Heisha Viladet now. However, Mamzer Paisul Machel. What did the Mishnah say? Mamzer is different. Mamzer, even though it's an invalid kid, but a Mamzer is considered a, 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 a descendant. And what's the case of Mamzer where it's the opposite? If Bas Yisrael, Kohen, Bas Kohen, Yisrael, instead of having a son, they had a daughter. And the daughter went and she married a guy or a slave. Okay, totally wrong. She shouldn't do that. But in this case, what's the law? The law is that the children go after the mother. They're Jews, but they're Mamzer. So is that kid who comes again, his mother is a Jew and his father is a guy, so he's going to say he's a Jewish mamzer. He is, the Mishnah ruled, considered to be a legal descendant now of the grandmother, and that will affect if it's Bas Kohen Yisrael that, 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 that she can't go back to her father's house, and Bas Yisrael Kohen, she would be allowed to continue eating truma. So where do we see this idea? When the Torah talks about the Kohanis, who's widowed or divorced, from the non-Kohen, the Pasuk says she goes back to her father's house, she has no children. So I would know that it's only if she has her own children, that that disqualifies her from going back. Zerah I mean, and how do I know even grandchildren, the children of her children, meaning let's say she has no direct descendants, but she has a, a, a deeper descendant, she has a grandchild. How do I know that also disqualifies her from going back to her father's house? It says she has no offspring, which implies no matter how far removed they are. So we're saying that uh, we're, we're darshaning it a little bit more. It, it, it's a broader thing. Zera ain la ain la means all inclusive, absolutely no descendants. And liel zera kosher zera pasul and this is what we need. I would say only if there are kosher children does that prevent it from going back. Because kosher children, we say, oh, that's that she has something. But if it's an invalid, if it's a mamzer, maybe not. And again, that's like our case where they let's say this basrael kohen basrael Israel, they have a daughter who married a guy, and now there's a grandson who is a Jewish mamzer. How do I know that that presence of that kid is will disqualify his grandmother from going back and eating truma. So it spells the words ain, it says it with a yud. So including the yud, we say it's a drasha, ayin a love. We make it a drasha as if, as if we sing the Torah says, looking, examine it, go look after it. And what's the Torah saying? The Torah is saying no matter what kind of children, any offspring whatsoever, even illicit ones, even mamzerim, even though they're invalid, 
that will not allow her to go back to her father's house to eat trimah. So basically we're saying, Ayin with the Yud tells you that. So the Gemara says, you're using the Joshua for two things. You already used that Yud to say grandchildren, right? We all even know if she has direct children. How do I know grandchildren? I said, I, I said that, Joshua, ain't la, Zara ain't la. So now I want to know, how do I know invalid children? You're saying the same thing, that it said Zara ain't la in a broad way. How do you know both? Maybe it's only grandchildren, maybe it's only invalid children. How do I know both invalid and grandchildren? Says the Gemara, Zara, Zara, lo the truth is, the first point that we made when we included grandchildren, it actually wasn't necessary. Grandchildren don't have to be included. Grandchildren intuitively disqualify her. Why? This is a very big yisoy. The Gemara uses a few times. We find in halacha a precedent that grandchildren are automatically considered like grandchildren. We know that already. And we, we know how we know this. Interesting, we learned this exactly one week ago, or maybe a week and a day, where the Gemara said, Peruvu, a person has to have children. You have to have a boy and a girl. So what happens if one of the children passes away? You have to have another child. But says the Gemara, if that child had a child, then we derive from the Pasuk, and you don't need to have another child. So that's exactly what the Gemara is employing here. The Gemara is saying, grandchildren intuitively I know would be like children. Of course, so we know if she has a grandchild that, that says that's considered that Vizera in Latte that there are children. So what's the yod? He's a craw. What do I need the yod? Lazera apostle. It's only necessary to teach me the dinner mom's here. So bottom line is if there's any form of a descendant whatsoever that is misyachas or even if it's invalid it's a descendant she can't go back to her father's house if there's any form of a descendant she can continue eating truma even if it's a mamzer however by an eved where it's misyachas after the non the, the non the non-Jewish slave woman or non-Jewish woman there the children wouldn't be Jews and then they wouldn't be considered um, hers her children so now the Mishnah happened to mention that the kid is a mamzer so that's an interesting question again a Jewish girl marries a guy so we know the kid is a Jew, but the Mishnah happened to be assuming it was a mamzer. That was the point of the Mishnah. Even though it's a mamzer, okay, it's a descendant. So the Gemara says, why is it a mamzer? I'm like, Rabbi Yochanan, And what's the Gemara's point? Generally, what makes a mamzer? What makes a mamzer is only a type of Isser that's so severe that there's a kares penalty. That's generally Allah. Rabbi Akiva disagreed. Rabbi Akiva is the one who says, even a regular lav in the Torah makes a mamzer. So let's just give an example. Let's say you have something like marrying a mamzer, mamzeris. So, according to, so, so that's something where everybody agrees, mamzeris is in the blood. But if it's not something like that, you know, it's Amanalako and Gadol, a different like, type of plain lav. So, so only Rabbi Akiva says that there's a mamzer. The Rabbanon say there's no mamzer, it has to be something more severe. So, how severe is it to have Bia with a guy? The Torah doesn't say there's curries for doing that. Maybe there's a lav at worst for doing that. But the Torah says not to marry a non Jew. But if the Mishnah is saying there's mamzeris, then we should assume the Mishnah is only like Rabbi Akiva. So, the Gemara says, no, Afilutim Rabbanon, Modu. Even the Rabbanon who hold that Mamzeris only comes from Chai Krisos, they could agree that when a Jewish girl has beer with a guy or a slave, the kid is a Mamzer. Why would they agree? The, the Gemara quotes back, and we actually learned this on Daf Mem The kid is a Mamzer. Remember what the Gemara said back there? The Gemara explained as follows that even though there's only a, the plain lav and no kares, but there's something unique about beer with a guy, and that is there's no Tfusis condition. There's no capacity to make condition. So mamzerus is really a derivative, and this is an important idea of mamzerus. It's less of, oh, was there kares or not? And it's more of the understanding as how precluded was this relationship from having a tefisus kedushin, having, uh, having, having, having a validity to it. So if the Torah says to us, the Torah indicates that Goyim can't make kedushin, even though the actual relations was only an Isser Lav and not an Isser Kares, even the Rabbanim would agree that there's a Mamzer. So therefore our Mishnah would agree like everybody. Then we just finished up, Kohen Gadol, Pamim Shaposo. We have a case, fascinating case, where a Kohen Gadol 
because he existed, he is the reason why his grandmother cannot eat truma. What's the case? The case is you have a boss Cohen who married Israel, right? Okay. So while she's married, she can't she can't eat. Then she has a kid. The kid is not a Cohen. The daughter is not a Cohen. But that daughter went and married a Cohen. And then they have a child. So that kid is a coin, and that kid is a was it could actually end up being the coin gadol. But if that coin gadol is around, then after, uh, then if the grandmother's husband dies and she wants to go back to her father's house to eat truma, she can't because she has a descendant from a non coin. So it's ironic because the descendant for the non coin is himself a coin gadol, and that can happen. He's a grandson. I could skip a generation like that. But Lamaisa, she has a descendant from her marriage from the from the Yisrael, therefore she can't go back. So Tanur Abanan, you know what she says? The grandmother says to herself, Harini Kapar has been miti kuza. I should be the atonement for my grandmother's son, for, for my daughter's son, this low vessel. Meaning what? Even if he's a mamzer, I'm allowed to eat. Shemachalina betruma. I could theoretically, you could have a basr, you could have a basr who, who marries a Kohen. And, uh, and, and even if there's only a mamzer who's left, he could feed me truma. I'd rather have that. I don't want to be the atonement for my, for my daughter's son, the most chashav kli, who's the Kohen Gadot, who could disqualify me from truma. And the, the, this, the point of the statement is just bringing out the irony that sometimes you could have an invalid grandson who's entitling a woman to eat truma. In the case of a, of a, of a Basra Shrola a Kohen, and there's no other descendant but the mamzer, hey, there's still a descendant from a Kohen, she could eat truma. And ironically, you could have a Bas Kohen Lishrol who's going to become disqualified from truma because there's still a descendant from her, from her marriage and that descendant could be a Kohen Gadol. So it's not like it's, there's something hard to understand. It's, it's, it's just ironic. And that's exactly what the, Gemara, what the Gemara here is pointing out. Bottom line is, it all depends. If you have a descendant from the relationship by Yisrael the Kohen, she continues to eat Shema by Kohen Yisrael. Any form of descendant, even if it is a Kohen Gadol, cannot eat Shema. Hajran Allah, Parakamana. All right, so now we jump into a fresh new parak here. So it's really a continuation of the same thing, feeding Shema in the Kohen's family. So the Mishnah says, A Kohen who doesn't have a brismila is not allowed to eat truma. Similarly, if he's, if he, if he's Tameh, right? Let's say he's Tameh Mace or something like that. It's Havim Mitzar. He can't eat truma. Now, what is this halacha that an Aro can't eat truma? There's a very famous Machlekes Rashi in Taisus here. Rashi learns that the reason why the Aro didn't get a brismila is because it was Mesu Achav Machavaz Mila. His brothers, the brothers had all died. And we know the halacha is, we learned about this, that when the brothers all die, it's dangerous to give a bris. The doctor's orders, you don't give a bris, you don't give a bris, right? But there's nothing wrong, no one is sinning. But still, Rashi's opinion is, that baby Cohen cannot eat truma because the mice, he doesn't have a bris. He doesn't have a bris. Makes sense. In other words, even though he, the foreskin is still there, I'm sorry, even though the doctor is saying don't do it, but since the foreskin is still there, he's considered an arl, he can't eat truma. Taisvis disagrees. Taisvis says that mila is an onus. He, he can't do the mitzvah. So then he would be allowed to eat truma. When the Mishnah says an Aral can't eat truma, it's not referring to a mitzvah of Achos It's referring to someone who's willingly not giving himself a bris. It's a really fundamental question. The lumdus that it really is, is what is an Aral? Is it someone who has foreskin? Or is it someone who's not fulfilling the mitzvah that they should be fulfilling of removing it? And that's what seems to be the machlokas here between Rashi and Taisvis. At any rate, an Aral or a Tommy person, Kohen cannot eat truma. However, says the Mishnah, their wives and their slaves can still eat truma. Meaning, they're still Kohanim. So if he's still a Kohen who has a wife, so she can eat truma even though he can't. Interesting Allah, the Mishnah is bringing out. He can't because he's an Aral, but his wife could. And the same goes for his slave. Let's say I have a Kohen whose testicles were wounded or crushed. Or, Kroshifcha is that the Gid um, is, is cut. There's a, there's a, it, it, and there's a, we'll see in the Gemara some of the gory details exactly what defines that. But anyway, so the Pesudak or Kroshifcha, so what is the law? The Torah says 
that he's not supposed to marry a regular Jewish woman, right? He's not allowed to marry a regular Jewish woman. So what happens? And their slaves, they and their slaves can eat Shema. Again, he's still a Kain. There's no question he's still a Kain. So him and if he has a slave, he owns a slave, he can eat Shema. But if he gets married, his wife cannot eat Shema. Why? Because since she's marrying someone she's not allowed to marry, so what's going to happen to her when she does Bia with her husband? It's going to disqualify her from eating Shema. It's going to be the din that we saw. As we discussed, that disqualifies a girl from eating Shema. However, their wives. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Hain, they, the Pesuadakar Kroshifcha. They, the Pesuadakar and their slaves could eat, but their wives may not. Let's say the husband didn't know his wife after he, his, the, testicles, the testicles became crushed, then they could eat. So what does this mean? Let's say a Kohen got married before the story happened, meaning he's a regular guy, he's married, valid marriage, kosher, and then suddenly, and, you know, tragically, the testicles get crushed. So now there's an Issa for him to continue having Bia with his wife, but he's already legally married. So since she was already in the marriage and she had the right to eat, she doesn't lose that right just because, just because the testicles became crushed. If he would have a Bia with her, he would disqualify her. But until that occurs, they can continue to eat. Now the mission tells us what exactly these people are. You do a What is a pitzuadaka? The testicles have a wound to them. The Gemara is going to tell us exactly what that is. I feel achazmeham, even if it's only to one testicle. The gid was cut. If from the atara, the atara is the tip. Uh, if there's anything from the tip of the gid which remains, is kosher. It's only if there's not even that. There's something cut into the actual gid where now he is not fit to marry a regular Jewish girl. Says the Gemara, we've been assuming that an aro cannot eat trimah. Actually, there's no pasuk in the Torah that says that. A very interesting thing. So the Gemara says, how do we know it? The Gemara says, let's take a step back. From where do we see in the Torah that an Aral is not allowed to eat Shemash? The Torah says, Toshav and Sacher by Karban Pesach. Let's just clarify what in the world this means. So Toshav and Sacher generally mean a worker. What does it mean, a worker? Intuitively, what it means is like, uh, if I have like a, a, a slave, a slave of some, of some form. But it usually referred to, intuitively, you would think it means a Jewish slave. However, what is the let's just get into this by carbon pasach? It says that Toshav is Sakhir Loyokabo. The Toshav and the Sakhir, that your hired workers are not allowed to eat your carbon pasach. That's what it says by carbon pasach. And by 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 Truma, we read yesterday, it says Toshav Kohen Vesakhir Loyokho Kodesh. The hired workers, the Toshav and the Sakhir of a Kohen, are not allowed to eat to eat Truma. Okay? So we'll have to see exactly what the Toshav and the Sakhir are. But Al Kopanim, it says by both Toshav and Sakhir, by Pesach and by 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 Truma. And they don't eat. So we make Xer Shavutin. What's the point of the Xer Shavah? Just as the context of Toshav Sakhar by Pasach. By Pasach, the Torah says, an Aro can't eat, can't eat the carbon Pasach. That's a Pasach, black and white. It says, if you're uncircumcised, Parsha's bow, you're not allowed to eat the carbon Pasach. Ah, Toshav Sakhar. Amr Batrimah, so too Toshav Sakhar, which is said by in the context of Trima, Aro Asarbo, the Aro cannot eat. So it's Xer Shavah. That, that, that connects the two topics, and therefore it can't be. You don't need ish ish. When the Torah talks about a person who is tummy, that they can't eat truma, it says a man, a man who's a kohen who is tummy can't eat. So what does it mean, a man, a man? So the extra ish larabas aral includes an aral. Rabbi Akiva has an interesting drasha here where he says an aral is like someone who is tummy. Just as someone who is tummy cannot eat truma, ish ish. The extra word ish includes that even if he is a 
uncircumcised male, not a tummy male, but an uncircumcised male, he cannot eat truma. So a dispute with the sources, either Toshav Asachir, the Gzir Shavuot, the Pasach, or Ish Ish. Says the Gemara, now let's go back and analyze. Amar Ma, Reb Lezer, Oymer, Nara Toshav Asachar, Pasach, Nara Toshav Asachar, Betruma, said by Toshav Asachar, both Pasach and Truma, Ma Toshav Asachar, Ma Pasach, are also both Toshav Asachar, Ma Pasach, by Karman Pasach, the Aral can't eat, Af Toshav Asachar, Ma Truma, are also both, Aral also both. So too here it says it by Truma, the Aral cannot eat. So says the Gemara, Mufne. The Xer Shava must be open. What does that mean, open? There are different types of Xer Shava. Sometimes the words are not extra. They're just the same words in two places. Sometimes not just that there is the same word, but the words are also extra. So the Gemara says it must be that this Xer Shava is the more powerful one where the words are also extra. Why? If it's not extra, if it's just that they're the same words, you could refute the Kavachom, the Xer Shava. You could say that there's something different about the cases. Pesach has all many extra stringencies which Trimah doesn't have. There's a din of pigle. If the Kohen thinks something wrong during the Avodah, you can't eat it. If there's leftover from the Karman Pesach, you can't eat it. If, the, if, if you can't eat Eating it while you're Tameh, you're Chayv Kares, which you're not Chayv by Truma. So there's only Misa B'day Shemayim, not Kares. So there are all these extra stringencies. So maybe the Din of Arel, even though the Torah said it by Pesach, okay, by Pesach, which is very severe, it has the Halacha, but by Truma, which doesn't have all these severities. So maybe, maybe it doesn't have that law. So the Gemara says, you're right. The Xer Shavah is actually open, meaning the words are extra. So the Gemara explains which words are extra. Which Tosha V'sachir are the words extra? Maybe it means by Shemayim. No, no, no. I need the words. The Tanya, it says in a price. And now we're actually going to learn what are Toisha V'sachir. Toisha V'sachir 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 So both of them are talking about a Hebrew slave, not a Kanani slave. When you own a Kanani slave, what does the Torah say? Actually, you could feed him Shema. Kenyan Kaspa, you could feed him Shema. Here we're talking about a Hebrew slave, a Jewish slave. So there's two types of Jewish slaves. There's someone who's got his ear pierced and he's here for Yovel, until Yovel. And there's someone who didn't get his ear pierced and he's just here until six years, right? So Toshav is a Kenyan Olam. Someone who's kind of literally forever, meaning he got his ears pierced. There, that's the person that he still can't eat his, 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 his master's truma. And Sakhir is a Kunikinian Shanim. He's only for a few years. He also can't eat truma. So now the price, it continues. And what's the idea? The idea is you don't own them. That's the fundamental difference between a Kanani slave and a Jewish slave. Jewish slave is working for you, but he's a worker. He's not a slave. You don't own his body. We call him an Evid Ivory, but you don't really own him. Masha Enkain, the Kanani slave, you won't. So now the bride says, Yomar Toshav is a Mazakar. Why does the draft have to say both? Just say Toshav and Dosisach. If even if he's here till Yovel, he can't eat. And if he's only here for a few years, certainly he can't eat. Meaning, if even if I, I pierced his ear and still that's not called a real acquisition, and so he can't eat, certainly if it's only for a few years, he shouldn't be able to eat. So the Gemara, the Brisa responds, Ilukena, the Torah only said Toshav, I wouldn't have known what the Toshav is. I would have said Toshav Kenyan Maybe the only one who can't eat a Toshav is really Kenyan Shanim. If he was near Tzan, he's here forever. Ocha, maybe he could eat. So Bas Sachir, Velimit al Toshav. Sachir comes and it now shows us what Toshav means. Meaning, if there's two words, obviously, now I know one of them is the near Tzan. Even though he's Kenyan forever, still he can't eat his master's Jermah. So bottom line is, I need the word Toshav and I need the word Sachir by two Truma. It's a very big Chiddush. The Torah is telling us that both the Hebrew slave for a few years and even a Hebrew slave until the Yovel are not allowed to partake in the Truma. So that's not extra words. Those are very important words. So which words are extra? 
So the Gemara says, Ela de Pesach Mothni, the Torah of Esachar by the carbon Pesach is extra. Because what is the Pesach saying? The Torah is saying, a Torah of Esachar of carbon Pesach cannot eat carbon Pesach. What is the Torah of Esachar? What is it even referring to? In the name of a Torah of Esachar Mamish, if it means the literal Torah of Esachar, meaning a Hebrew slave, how could it be? Mishum the Havali Torah of Esachar, if to let me Pesach, he can't eat carbon Pesach, how could that be? Every Jew is chayv in carbon Pesach. What did I see? I see that he can't eat his master's truma when it was a Kohen. Why? What's the pshat? It must be that he's not in acquisition. He's still a full-fledged Jew. We see his master doesn't have an acquisition over him. The slave is just a regular Jew. And if he's not a Kohen, he can't eat truma. He's not owned by the Kohen. If he'd be a Kanani slave, he's owned by the Kohen. Then he could eat. He's not owned by the Kohen. He's a regular Jew. So, so too, now if I want to know, should he eat, truma, should he eat the carbon Pesach? I have to think about it like this. Is he a Jew? And what's the answer? Yeah, he's a regular Jew. If so, his master doesn't acquire him. He's not a monet- he's not an, an acquisition. He's not a monetary figure. He's a Jew. So should he be Chayab and Karman Pesach? Absolutely. So how could the Torah say in a literal sense? So what's coming out is that basically we're going through a concept here. What's a Hebrew slave? A Hebrew slave, let's say he steals, he can't repay. He sells himself in slavery. That's the idea. Is he owned? Is he an acquisition? Or is he a slave who happens, is he, is he a Jew who happens to be working for somebody? Which one is correct? The fact that the Torah says that he's not allowed to eat the truma from his master, if his, if his master is a Kayin, shows he's a regular Jew. He's not owned by the Kayin. So now, conceptually, I know that when it comes to Karma Pesach, obviously he should be chayv. Because he's a regular Jew. But wait a second. The Torah says, Let's track. Must be, and the Gemara doesn't even fill in the blank for you. This is the hard part. Here we go. The, hard, the, the fill in the blank is, it doesn't mean a literal Toshav Zacher. It doesn't mean a regular Jewish slave. You know what it means? A non-Jewish slave. A Kanani slave. But then that's extra. Because of course he can't eat. He's not a full-fledged Jew. So it must be the words are extra. Ah, what are the words doing? What are they extra for? To make a Zereshava between Truma and Pasach and to say, just as by Pasach the Orel doesn't eat, so too by Truma the Orel doesn't eat. Ah? Right, so that's why we needed the extra words. Meaning, again, what happened here? Let's take a step back, go through the steps. We're trying to know how an Aral can eat Truma. So we're saying, well, Aral can eat Pesach, and, can, and, and, so, and it said Tosha Vesachar by Pesach, and it says Tosha Vesachar by Truma, so Mestama Aral also can eat. It says the Gemara, one of those words has to be extra, because if you're just comparing them in Xer Shavu, you could say, hey, there's all these extra severities, Pigl, Noisavitamai by Pesach, which don't apply to Truma. Says the Gemara, yeah, it's Xer Shavu, which has extra words. How are they extra? So the Gemara explained to us how they're extra. It says, Taisha Vesachar, don't eat Karman Pesach. You would think it literally means a Jewish slave, but it can't be because we see a Jewish slave is not owned by his master. That's why he doesn't need his master's trim off. He's a client. Elamai, what do I see? Taisha Vesachar is not regular words. It doesn't mean it literally in their normal form by Pesach. So what does it mean? It really means a Kanani slave, but then the words are extra. Because of course I know a Kanani slave doesn't eat, doesn't eat the Karman Pesach. He's not a Jew. So it must be the words are extra. And now it's teaching me to, that there are extra words for Arxer Shava to teach us that an RL doesn't eat Shema. So now what happens though? It's still only extra on one side. It says the Kati Shava is only free on one side. What does that mean free on one side? Xer Shava is, it says the same words in two places. Here, what did we come out? Taisha Vesachar by carbon Pesach is extra, but it wasn't extra by Truma, so it's only open on one side. Rabbi Lezer holds his opinion in Shas, we know from elsewhere, is that when Xer Shava is based upon words that are extra only on one side, yes, you can make the Xer Shava. You couldn't make the Xer Shava. It's not illegal to to make it, but you could try to refute it. Meaning if I have a logical difference between them, I could still ask it. 
So even if it, the Tosh of Esachar by Pesach is extra, but I still have the logical distinction that Pesach is more Chamer because I see it's Chayef for Pekel Nosef So Vaiter, how do I know Yerushava is right to teach me that an Aurel can't eat Shrema? Says the Gemara, Kivan de Lugufe Once we conclude that by the Karm Pesach it wasn't necessary to say Tosh of because as we said, it must be talking about, it must be talking about the, the, the Kenani slave that we don't need. So, we apply one word for the lamed, for the derivative of and apply one of them for the pasuk, that's the source. It's as if the Xer is open on both sides. What is the Gemara saying? Gemara is saying a wild thing in Drasha. There were two words, Taishav and Sachir. So, I, even though they're both by Pesach, what do I do? I take one and leave them by Pesach, and I take one and I throw it to Truma. So, it says, if the Xer is open on both sides. What does that mean? Right? It says Taishav here and Sachir. It's a fascinating thing that we can do that in drushas. That when you have two words that are extra on one side, I take one word here and I throw it on the, one, the other word there. So it's Xer Shava now open on both sides. When Xer Shava is open on both sides, what happens? I cannot ask any logical difference between the cases. I just say it's Xer Shava, it's open. Whatever the law is there, the law is here. Just as the law by Pesach is an Aro Kanti Truma, so to the law is, uh, just, just as the, uh, by Karm Pesach and Aro Kanti the Karm Pesach, so too by Truma, Aro cannot eat Truma. It's an absolute functioning Xer Shava. Says the Gemara, once I make this Xer Shava to teach me that an Aral doesn't eat Churma, let's take the comparison further. By a carbon Pesach, an Onen can't eat the carbon Pesach. What's an Onen? Someone whose relatives just died. So the law is that an Onen can't eat Kachim. They can't eat the Karm Pesach. So after Mone but why don't we say that by Truma also an Onen can't eat? If there's really Xer Shava connecting the two contexts, and that's how you know Aral, maybe you should learn Onen also. So the Gemara responds, It says, any non-Kohen can't eat. And as we said, we actually mentioned this on Friday, that the Pasuk is extra, so he comes to say, The only issue is when a non-Kohen eats Truma. But any type of Kohen who eats, even if he's an Onain, is allowed to eat. So basically, we have we have an extra Pasuk that's saying, any non-Kohen doesn't eat, which implies any Kohen could eat. And we say it means even an Onain. Says the Gemara, Maybe, maybe that Pasuk is saying, that only a non-Kohen can eat, but any Kohen could eat, even if he, even if he doesn't have a bris milah. How do you know the Pasuk's only excluding an, only including an Onain, right? Maybe it should be including an, an Aro. Says Gemara, Tashav Zacher. But I have the Xerah Shava. The Xerah Shava taught me he can't. Says the Gemara, Mara Isa. How do you know what to learn? Meaning, we know to learn something from Pesach, and we know not to learn two things from Pesach. How? Because I have the drush of a Chodzar Lech to include one thing. And I know I'm supposed to learn one thing from Pesach. So we're saying we learn an Aro doesn't eat, but we darshan that an onen could eat, maybe just the opposite. Maybe learn from Pesach that an onen cannot eat truma, and include from Vacholzar that an aral could eat truma. Says the Gemara, if I have to pick and choose which one is more is worse, what's worse, an aral or an onen? It's logical to assume that an aral should be included in the iser. Why? First of all, there's a svara. He's missing an action. Right? Well, an onen, just we have to wait for the body to get buried. Here, there's something about him, the circumcision has to change, or something about him that has to change. Interesting idea, because the onen, I mean, you still need the burial, right? Why is that called Znamachos or Maisa? Right, right, exactly. I think he's right. There is more of a vart that it's connected to the time. More like a temporary thing, you know? Here, the RL, until something changes, until there's an absolute change, that's it, he's no good. Second of all, it's about his body. Something, there's a change in his body. Anish kares. There's a chi of kares, right? If you don't give yourself verse milah, it's very common. There's a chi of kares. 
A lack of circumcision, that was a mitzvah that was given even before Harsinai. We know about Bris Mila. And there's something else about Mila. By Mila, if you, if you don't give not only yourself a Mila, but your whole family doesn't have a Bris, everyone who needs a Bris doesn't have it, you can't eat carbon Pasach. The Torah says, even if your slaves and children don't have a Bris Mila, you can't eat carbon Pasach. So that's an extra Indian of that is more Chamer by Bris Mila. So, The Ebed Ivri? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Ebed Ivri is really always his own, his own account. I think here when we say slaves, we mean um, the Kanani ones that you have to give a car, uh, uh, you have to give a brismila to. So the Gemara says, Adar Abba, just the opposite. If you're trying to decide which one is more Hammer, maybe Onin is more Hammer. First of all, Onin could exist at any time. What do we mean? It can recur, meaning you could have theoretically a brother die and then another time a sister die. Whereas by brismila, once the issue is solved, you can never become an RL again, right? It's a one-time thing. First of all, and second of all, it applies to men and women, right? Aninus is a concept that's not only for men, it's for women as well. Brismila is only for men. Also, think about it like this. Onin, you can't necessarily fix it, right? You have to do, you have to wait, cut, you have to wait. You need, you, there's time, you have to, there's a passage of time. There's nothing you can do to fix the issue. You just got to wait it out. Masha Enkein, Brismila, you could fix it yourself. So the Gemara responds, but the stringencies about Araro were more than Aninas. If you count them up, there were more. Aninas only had three, and um, Arilus had five. So therefore, five Chumras are more than three. So that's why we, we, we would prefer to include that an Aral doesn't need over an Onin eating. Says the Gemara, Rava, Rava says a different answer. Even without that argument that there's more Chumros, you also can't say that the Xer Shava should ask the Onin from Truma. Why? If you have to learn one thing from Pesach to Truma, right? You could either learn Aral or Onin. So let's just take a one more background. Aral doesn't eat Pesach. That's black and white in the Torah. Onin doesn't eat Pesach. How do we know? It's a, if we learn it, we derive it from the law that an Onin doesn't eat Miser, and we derive it over to Pesach. So, Shafkinan, Arilus, Tachsib, Gubi, De Pesach, Yaminan, Aminus, Mi Pesach, De Pesach, Gufi, Mi Miser, Kamrinan. Are we going to learn something which wasn't even said in itself, in its context, and learn it from something which was said that... And, and, I'm sorry, I said it a little confusing. It's more logical to learn it from something which is said directly about Pesach than to learn it from something which is said indirectly about Pesach. So Arelus, which is said directly in Parsha's bow in the context of carbon Pesach, that's a better thing to learn from Pesach over to Truma than to learn Aninas, because Aninas, that itself was only learned from Miser over to Pesach. So now I'm going to take something that was only learned indirectly over to Pesach and now apply it? So... It's an interesting thing because technically you still could, right? There's nothing, there's no law. You can't learn something that was derived to Pesach over to. But if we have, if once we have to pick and choose between the two and we're trying to decide which one to pick, we'd prefer to pick the one that was said by Pesach itself. That's the point. All right. Now we get to another question. Says the Gemara. What did we just learn? That by eating Pagama Pesach, it's not enough that, you, that you're not an Arl. All of your children have to have bris mila, and all of your Kanani slaves have to have bris mila as well. And if they're not, it prevents you from eating. So, is there such a law by Truma? We should derive that to Truma as well. That by Truma as well, we should say, only if everybody in the house has bris mila, you could eat. Says the Gemara, Makro, Malto, Oso, Aziochabal. The Pasik says you give him a brismila, the slave, and then he can eat of it. This is talking about by the Karman Pasach. So it says that you need to give the slave the Karman Pasach and then you can eat. So Mila Skarvadamakev is Bo. So we're darshaning Bo. Bo is an extra word. Only by the Karman Pasach is in Ma'akev, Lachal, Bapasach. But the Torah is indicating that giving him a brismila wouldn't be Ma'akev to eat Truma. It's only by Karman Pasach where we find this unique law 
Bo, there's a law that Milas Kharva Vadr is Makavi eating the carbon pasach. Says the Gemara, Ihachi, the second you darshin bo to say it's only by carbon pasach, you could say the same thing by Aral. Ema Bakal Aral Yocha Bo. What was the Pasak by Karm Pasach? And Aral shouldn't eat it. What's it? The Pasach. So why don't you make the same implication? Bo in Aochabatrima. Only a carbon pasach, an uncircumcised person can eat, but he could eat Trima. That would throw off our entire Xer Java. So the same way you're darshaning bo on Milas Kharava Vadav, why don't you darshan bo on Aral? So the Gemara says, Aksiv because I have the Xerah Shava. I, I know I'm supposed to learn it. Says the Gemara, Mara Esau, how do you know what to learn? So again, what's the question here? We're saying like this. By Milas Charavat, we have two things that it says by carbon Pesach. Aro can't eat, and Milas Charavat If everyone in your family doesn't have Mila, you can't eat. Two laws. One of them we're deriving over to, we're learning over to Jirma, an uncircumcised male can't eat. But Milas Charavat we're not, because we're saying the Torah said a drasha don't. How do you know which way? Maybe it should be just the opposite. Milas charev avadav, we should learn over to trima. And if not, everyone in your family has a bris mila, you can't eat trima. But the law that you're, if you're uncircumcised yourself, you can't eat trima, that doesn't apply. So how do we know what to learn? So the Gemara says, if I have to pick and choose, one's personal non-circumcision, that's more chamer. First of all, that's an act on, on, upon your own body. The action of some giving everyone in, else in your family a bris mila, that's not on your own body. And second of all, you have a chiv kares. For not giving yourself a bris milah. But if you don't, if you don't give your, your son a bris milah, you don't get kares. So those are extra chumros that apply to, to an aral that don't apply to milas karavavadav. Says the Gemara Adarav is just the opposite. Milas About your family's bris milah, that can, that's a recurring thing. Every time you have a son, you have to make sure he has a bris milah. Masha'ink in your milah, that's a one-time thing. So maybe milas karavavadav is more chamer. Says, there are more stringencies. Two stringencies over one. That's why we prefer to learn Arel then milas charav avadav says the Gemara view by Zeman. This is really just the obvious logic. Even if you don't count up the number of stringencies, you can't say it. What are you trying to say? You're trying to say that if you yourself are an RL, you're allowed to eat trima, but if someone else in your family is an RL, you're not allowed to? Mika midi, could it possibly be? You yourself being an RL is not an issue. But the RL of someone else in your family does withhold you? That's against logic. If RL of your own body doesn't stop you, then the RL of your son's not going to stop you. So if I have to pick and choose whether we should learn from Pesach, that, 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 that the over to Truma, that an Aral can't eat, or that Milas Charav Avadav is Ma'akiv, I definitely would prefer to learn that an Aral can't eat over learning that Milas Charav Avadav can't eat. So, in, in summary, we're coming out that we know an Aral can't eat Truma. What's our source? Rabbi Kiva has Xer Shava Ishish, okay, and we'll talk a lot more about that coming up. But Rabbi Eliezer had Xer Shava that it said the word Tosha Vesachar by Pasach, and then it says the word Tosha Vesachar by Truma. We make Xer Shava, the laws of Pasach apply to Truma as well. That law that we want to learn over is the law of Ara. We do not learn the law of Milas Vavadov, if that everyone in your family has to have, be circumcised. That the Torah tells us, no, that's only by Pesach. And we do not learn the halacha of owning. Those two halachos are only to carbon Pesach. They're not learned over to here. How exactly that happens, that's coming back and forth in terms of some of the, the give and take here and the drashas and the logic of the way that they're meant to be applied.